0: That's BlueNile.com.
2: Okie dokie. Let's
3: go. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Hello, you two. This old grey whiskers here out of walking with his dog. Now, I'd be a bit out of breath, so I hope you won't mind if I just a
4: little bit of a Dumpty, 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 dum, dumpty, dumpty dum. do dar dumpty, 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 dum, dumpty did lie doe, dumpty did lie, dumpty did lie, dumpty did lie doe dumpty, 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 dum, dumpty did lie doe That's about all I can manage now, apart from bar. <laughs>
2: Well done, Mister Whiskers, folks. This is Dumby Dum, the show the at the Reality Ducky Drum Centre, on Ambridge, in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the hilarious impression that is Roy Field Brown, and with me, I have the wearisome outward actor that is Lucy Freeman, and the last part of Tracy's new fellow books is you. Now, this week's Dumby Dum is a rather out of breath old grey whiskers. I believe he's down in Dorset or some, somewhere, uh, which is somewhat apt because you know, Berkshire, mm-hmm. Um, it's a corruption of Dorset, Dorsetshire. Mm. Did you know that? <coughs> no, I didn't. That, that's where that's where the name actually comes from. Yeah, 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 Now, Lucy, if someone would like to send us in a dumpty dum, how can that be done?
5: If you would like to sing us a dumpty dum or leave us a plot prediction, then call us on oh two oh three oh three one three one oh five or leave us a message on Speakpipe. Uh, thanks to Cosmo for his podcast roundups, to Mike Hatton for his character counts, Shambridge for her voices, and to Derek in the back bedroom. Uh, Derek is finally sorting out his Christmas tree. He's up a ladder while Auntie Cardboard's twiddling his baubles.
2: <laughs> is um doing the Christmas tree a big thing in the uh, Freeman household?
5: Um, it is. The children have now taken it over, doing mm. it themselves, which is quite nice because when they're little, they just go berserk and throw everything at it, and it's like it's only as high up as they can reach, and. You know, it's there's tinsel everywhere, and the whole thing looks appalling. But they kind of they really think about it now, and they really like doing it. It's nice. It's a nice tradition.
2: Oh. What other traditions do you have? You know, uh, stirring the
5: Christmas pudding. Variety. We do do stir up Sunday, mm-hmm. and um, Easter egg hunt. Even though they're now, even though they're now fourteen and sixteen, I still have to get up, or one of us does, and go out into the garden and hide Easter eggs all over the garden so they can find them. Awesome. What about you? Um, I think we
2: spectacularly only have one in the Brown household. This is my mum and dad's household, which is you have to see how long you can go on Christmas Day without even mentioning that there are presents underneath the tree.
5: (laughs) That's sadomasochistic. masochistic
2: (laughs) And just see whose nerve breaks first. (laughs) And this is really like a thing. I I kid you not. (laughs) So, I think the worst it's ever been is like eight o'clock, you know, PM. We're not talking about AM, PM on, uh, on, on Christmas Day. And they'll be like, and it, invariably it's like the, the youngest person who's in the house and says, look, oh, oh, can we just open the presents now, please? And mum will go,
5: oh! Yes, let's go do that. <laughs> that's cruel. I think that's it. Crazy. Really,
2: it really is cruel and unusual punishment. It really <laughs> is, and it just gets worse and worse every year. But this year, because um, Noah, Ella, and maisha are all, all coming, I am sure, 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 um, it won't be so late this year. But anyway, uh, more talk about Christmas, Christmas traditions and giving thanks and all manner of other things um, after I say this. On this week's episode, we hear views from old grey whiskers. Well, no, we don't, because we've already heard that. We, and it was these dum de so let's scratch that. Uh, Mr. Whiskers, you've had your time. Uh, my Vicky in Sri Lanka, sometimes of Kenya. Uh, Andrew, young Keith, Claire, Witherspoon, Jan. Mm, there is no Jan. That's a, that's a different podcast. Jan, thank you for your call, for map corner. <laughs> Emily... And Glynne, <laughs> <laughs> both first <strikes laughs> before uh, the caller in us. Uh, of course, top of the shop. It's our Juicy Loose and a week in Ambridge.
5: We began the week with the Chuckle Brothers in the kitchen at Grange Farm before they had to dash <laughs> off and see Big Dave and Little Croxley. It's like Big Trouble in Little China, but with tights. Obviously, Big Dave has got two elf costumes going begging, designed for two middle-aged men. Of course he has. Listening to Ed and William trying to cook and behaving like a couple of children joshing each other made me incredibly uncomfortable. I mean, I am all for having a pop at men. I love it. I cannot get enough of it. But... Can we please stop this hilarity about ham-fisted men being completely unable to cook? The mixture is too runny. Let's add some more liquid to it. If this was Henry and Jack making it, I would have understood. But these are two men in their mid-thirties. And I know Clary's infantilizer, but for the love of God. First of all, we had Tony panicking about cooking Sunday lunch or whatever it was when Pat was forcing herself on the homeless. And now Pinky and Perky are struggling to work out how to open an oven door. And yet, we're allowed Ian because A, gay, and B, professional chef, man's job, etc. Normal everyday cooking, woman's work. I shall now clamber down, (laughs) fold up my small soapbox, and proceed. Except I won't just yet because I want to point something else out. For decades in Ambridge, the women, because they are the ones who do the cooking, have referred to cakes and biscuits as cakes and biscuits. Oh, that's a lovely lemon drizzle cake, Jill, and what horrible biscuits you've made, Auntie Cardboard, etc., etc. But now, now they are bakes. You know where this came from? The bloody great British bloody bake-off. I will not have Paul Hollywood infesting Ambridge. Shoo! Get out! Cakes and biscuits and mince pies are cakes and biscuits and mince pies. Thank you. <sighs> right. Mm. Helen jumped Lee, which is the first interesting thing she's done since she went for Rob Art with the bread knife. Lee is under the impression he's in love with her, which implies he's had rather more bangs on the head in Kung Fu than anyone realised. However, she seems happy. And it stopped her twatting on about cheese temporarily, so what's not to like? Meanwhile, back at Bridge Farm, things (laughs) on the romantic front were not quite so rosy for Pat and Tony. It was their anniversary. Pat had bought Tony a flying jacket, of all entirely unsuitable things, and one of those scarves like Russ Abbott used to wear that sticks out behind him on its own. Tony had bought (laughs) Pat a half-used pot of chrome cleaner and some beef casserole in a Tupperware box. Oh, naughty Tony. Naughty, naughty Tony. He started with the fibs too, telling Pat that he'd been with the men up the garage rather than getting his mouth around Joy's dumplings. Joy said, us midget lovers have to stick together, which I was surprised at as I'd never thought of Tony as a particularly small man, but she knows best. (laughs) There was snapping, snarling and aggression at Barrow Farm and the pigs weren't behaving very well either. The pigs had had their food abruptly changed to aldi own brand and were not happy which prompted Hannah, who seems to permanently suffer from a combination of swine fever and mad cow disease, to blame Neil for everything for the fall of the Roman Empire onwards. Justin, and this is the only time (laughs) I've liked him, was having none of it. He said he hoped Hannah would get behind Neil. She will. And push, probably. Over at Lower Loxley, the preparations for the Christmas Ghosts and Ghoulies evening continues. To be honest, honest, most of it sounds ghoulies. Jimis is sounding increasingly hysterical and is getting worse every time we hear him, which is not entirely the point of rehearsals. But when you're trapped in an attic with a pale-faced jumpy tech and an asexual waxwork with Frida Kahlo's eyebrows, it's no wonder, really. Jill went round to stick her all in, as is her wont, (laughs) and Russ tried to get her up to the attic to show her his etchings. Blimey, is no woman safe! David was in a ripe paddy all week, culminating in a one-man vigilante mission to Eduardo's in Borchester. It all started when he found Pip wandering round in a field and he asked her what she was doing. I'm looking at Oaky Bank with my rewilding goggles on, she said. David looked at her wonderingly. (laughs) You're quite mental, aren't you, he said. He then got unaccountably overexcited at receiving a Christmas card from some people who'd had their wedding at Brookfield by mistake. This led him to make Mm -hmm. the enormous leap that Brookfield would be Borchester's (laughs) must-have venue for society weddings in 2020. (laughs) Kenton pissed himself laughing at this, but that was partly because he was hurt as Jolene hadn't pressed his bobble for ages and he was worried it was going to wear out through lack of use. He trotted off to Lower Loxley, where Elizabeth put on her Borchester Business Person of the Year award voice and lectured him on trends in hospitality. Conveniently Mm. forgetting as she did so that this time last year, she was a basket case with her son in clink, no alcohol license, and a daughter shacked up with a human three-speed kettle. We get high (laughs) end at Lower Loxley, she said kindly. You'll get the bingo crowd. Basically, if anyone turns up in Crocs, David, we'll send them your way. Things then got worse for David when our three rewilding stooges then pitched up to Eduardo's to embark upon their <laughs> exciting business relationship with BL. Phoebe in her mortarboard, Pippin overalls and Rex with his Bluetooth headset on in case he got a shout for a cab fare to the airport and screamed <laughs> with delight at the prospect of pace This allowed one of my favourite things to happen that happens very rarely in Ambridge. No, it's not this allowed one of my favorite things to happen that happens very rarely in Ambridge. No it's not someone ringing someone else rather than just popping round to see them. It was a topical <laughs> reference in capital letters. It always occurs when there is a big thing that has happened, and the writers have to refer to it, but in the most bizarrely loose way possible. On this occasion, the big thing was the election. I suspect they recorded three versions. The one we got was Justin saying to Martin Gibson, "Well, that was a decisive win. Re Johnson." If we'd have had a hung parliament, Justin would have said, well, it's going to take a lot of negotiations, so we'll have to see what happens. And if Corbyn had won, well, if Corbyn had won, BL would not have been in Eduardo's. They'd all have been at home Googling how to get Dubai citizenship. Anyway, back to Eduardo's. (laughs) Unsurprisingly, the nasty, nasty men from BL behave like nasty, nasty men. And our three heroes, like the inexperienced and yet strangely arrogant idiots they are, all signed the contract without anyone, you know, legal, adult, Checking it, and surprise, surprise—they've basically given BL the right to withdraw any of their vital organs for any purpose at any time. And then, five minutes after the nick of time, David Archer, Sloan Ranger, turned up, and to steal a line off not nine o'clock news, rewild—he was re furious. <laughs> we all enjoy. <laughs>
2: Well done. Thank you
5: very much. Uh, Thank you. I'm here all week. We all enjoy a little glimpse into the intimate lives of our favourite characters. And we always suspected that Linda's shepherd hut was used by Linda for more than gazing out at the wildlife. And we were right, as we now know, that Linda and Robert sleep a la Terry and June, viz, in separate beds, the Mm. little bedside table in between. After his shattering experience with Jimmus dressed up as an old lady and Frida Carlo in the attic, Robert was all for pushing to beds together for what he termed magic time. Look, Linda, it's magic. That's not a rabbit, Robert, and I saw where you got it from. But Lindy Bottom was having none of it, having presumably enjoyed a good session in the Shepherd's Hut beforehand with Moby Dick, and we honestly thought that was a book. <laughs> it is understandable that Linda was in need of a good night's sleep, though. When you consider that her sole job at Gay Grable's at the moment seems to be keeping Tracy out of trouble. One of the best ways of keeping out of trouble, Tracy, is never, ever to go out with an actor. Any actor, successful or failing. Trust me, if they're doing well, they're unbearable. And if they're doing badly, they're worse. All those voices may sound fun (laughs) now, but they won't be so fun at 6.45 on a Sunday morning when they've woken up wanting you to check if they sound more cork than Kilkenny give it up. Roman sounds like an absolute knob. However, he may have a saving grace, namely that as he doesn't live in Ambridge, there's a fighting chance he might, at the very least, be able to bloody cook. The end.
2: Really enjoyed it this week, Liz. I really did.
5: Were you surprised about the, the Snellses not sharing well, a beddy buys? Well, was.
2: yes, because if you remember, just about two weeks ago, mm. I said, I can imagine them Get, yeah, get, you know, like having knives. a passionate.
5: Yes, I know, yeah. Well,
2: I didn't I didn't quite go that far. No. But I could imagine them, you know, having mm. some, you know, mutually enjoyable. Um, Magic time. Yes. Pumps. Yeah. Mm.
6: And then, like,
2: yeah, it was like a scene from a 1970s sitcom. Oh, yeah. what do you mean? Yeah. Separate beds. It's like the two Ronnie's or whatever. Well, actually, I was very upset.
5: That whole omnibus was like an episode from mm. a 1970s sitcom. We had the hilarity of two grown men unable to, you know, this mixture is too runny, let's add some more brandy to it.
7: Mm.
5: You know, it was just going for laughs. Sorry. I'm sucking on a fisherman's friend, ladies and gentlemen, so excuse my voice. Um, There were, (laughs) you know, there was um, kind of, it was like reaching for laugh lines in a very Mrs. Brown's boys sort of way. Uh, Mm. And that was just, you know, and now and now, oh, Will and Ed are you know calling each other bro and mate and da, da 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 da. When you know for the last sort of four years they've been literally at each other's throats most of the time, um, and now all of a sudden they're because they're back at home they're just acting like absolute spanners. You know, oh, well, we look the moustaches look like Mexican. No, the the holly leaves look like Mexican moustaches and. You know, and then uh, Clary and um, uh, Clarie and um, Emma getting a bit tiddly in the kitchen on the, you know, on the Bailey's and although I but quite I liked like
2: that though exactly that and it, that is it nice. was
5: all just very nineteen seventies. Tony, you know, mm. giving, giving Joyce Cromer a rub up. It was like carry on up the Am. You know, I don't know.
2: <laughs> that that's one of the best ones, isn't it? Carrying up the Khyber, mm. great film. Great film.
5: My favourite line from that is when they're watching polo, and she says, "Ooh, he did not, off, he did not half whack that one, did he not?" <laughs> 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 Joan Sims. <laughs> anyway, sorry, carry on.
2: <laughs> no, listen from start to when that film is an utter triumph. You know, <laughs> it literally is the best. Anyone for tiffing? You know, all the way through.
8: Oh, I see. Did not half crack that one, did he not,
9: dearest? <laughs> if you can't express yourself in more elegant terms kindly shut your
2: kegel. You'll be pleased to know I have copious amounts of notes, uh, but we also have copious amounts copious of calls. Copious amounts of calls, yes. So I will figure the notes and do a bit of this instead. Hello, average
0: 3962.
2: And uh, we'll start uh, with, with young Keith, who um, is not where we thought he was.
9: <laughs> Hello, young Keith here again. Hope all is well. Uh, first of all, I'd just like to clear up any sort of controversy about my location. I'm not as accused in Penge. In fact, last week I was calling from a, a leisure centre in the cusp of Walthamstow and Chingford. But Ooh, uh, I'm somewhere else this that's week. me. Another pretty irritating mm-hmm. week in the arches i would say and mainly based around helen i'm sure um, most people are going to agree on that and be a bit mind blown by what happened uh, with helen <laughs> first thing that she did which irritated me is when she said that her thingy had gone all out on the wrapping for for uh, roy's present which i thought how good can that wrapping be must have been fantastic <laughs> uh, but i was cringing i was cringing at my radio when um when she sort of started talking dirty to Lee going, oh, you like that, don't you? And I thought, God, <laughs> get a grip, you two, in the bloody shopping mall. And I just thought, <laughs> how bad can Leanne have been that he's going, oh, it's not like it is with you. I'm thinking, God, what the hell were you up to, Leanne? It's been bloody bleak. Um, and he's in love with her, which shocks mm. me as well. Didn't, um, I, 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 I know I wasn't really listening during that period very attentively, but didn't they go on one date? which failed how like he's got all these memories of like how amazing they were together, but, and he mm-hmm. loves her based on a couple of Kung Fu classes and, uh, and, uh, a dinner around his anyway, I would have liked to have heard a lot more of Lindy and Robert with their, uh, their magic time. Personally, that was getting me hot under the collar, not this <laughs> grotesque situation with Helen and Lee. Anyway, have a good week. <laughs> me again, just a correction. I think I might've said Roy in the last message, rather than Tony. But um, so, yes, apologies for that if that is the case. But imagine, Pat and Roy, could that be a plot prediction for the future? <laughs> Who knows? Who no. knows the way these sex mad archers, citizens are going these days. Anyway.
5: Uh, Luz, did Lee actually yeah.
2: say that he was in love with Helen?
5: Yes, he did. He did. He, he did because I said, what the fuck at the radio? <laughs> yep. That's crazy. Yep. Yeah. I know. And uh, Keith is absolutely right, and slightly too close to me for comfort because he sounds very near. <laughs> He's been between Chingford and Walthamstow. It's a bit alarming. Anyway, hello, Keith. I could probably wave to you from where I am. Um, uh, yes, uh, yeah, and, and they literally did have, they climbed up Lakey Hill, didn't they? Mm. And they... they took her
2: for a crap meal, a dodgy
5: Mexican. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and that was it. I think. But, you know, as he said, how bad was Leanne? That's, you know, that's what But you we know what, though, know.
2: Luce? The heart wants what the heart wants. Yeah. There's no legislating for it.
5: No. But,
2: you know, I'm glad my heart isn't all about Helen Archer. That's all I'm saying. So am I. Mm. Oh. Have you ever, when's the last time you. Oh, I was presuming it was a f- few years ago. But, you know, you must have, like, just quite liked a wrong one in your past or somebody who's just inappropriate and just couldn't help yourself. It does happen.
6: Oh, yeah.
5: Yeah, but as you get older, you suddenly realise that it's, um... Oh, that it's... There's nothing actually, you know, it's when you read Jane, I'll tell you what it is, the trigger point for you as a, as a, as a, a, a when you know you're an adult is mm. when you can read Jane Eyre and think, not think, for Heathcliff, think, God, he's a massive egotistical prick. <laughs> That's when you know, you think, aha, okay. I am now woman, hear me roar. And you look at Mr. Darcy and think, well, yes, he looks nice with his shirt off, but he could still work on his manners because that was rude, quite frankly. Um, Yes. So, Mm. yes, I think that's a sign of maturity when you can, you know, Uh, you can think with your head and nothing else. Well,
2: talking about thinking with your head because you know exactly where I'm going to go now. I don't think men ever really get to that stage she right. has to be an utter bunny boiler before we go no right an utter bunny boiler not just a little bit of one like you can have the the rabbit at like a, a you know like a luke heat you know it has to be turned up to 50 100 before we go mm, no I think I need to step out of this because the little head does a whole load of thinking you know it really right. does right mm. So it's just another reason why women is, is the better gender than us blokes. Well, yeah, yeah. fully agree. I, I do, you know, I couldn't agree with you more, you know, when it comes to that. But just, just, I'm slightly all over the place this week, which I know listeners will say, well, that's just the same every week, Royford. I'm just looking at a picture of you and Harriet, and I think I've said this before on a previous Dumpty Dumb when we're at the BBC Social Club. Yeah, yeah And the yeah. picture of you pet is the loveliest picture of you that <laughs> I've ever seen and and I love Aww. it and it's and it's on and it's on my website royfield.com Is it? Yeah yeah yeah. I I have a Aww. little section of photos uh which I've taken um and it says a family and then with a few friends and I just love that picture. Uh you you've Aww. got such a lovely smile and it's just and it's just lovely. So it's on, on my website and I was just looking Aww. at it. And uh, and it just uh, just just made me think. And then, whilst I'm just like saying stuff, before we come back into yeah. the archers, um, I've been meaning to thank somebody for quite some time, and she's probably probably gone off me and thought, <laughs> "What an ungrateful bastard!" But Juliet <laughs> Last time I do anything Sternberg, but she exactly. <laughs> Juliet Sternberg sent me about three months ago, um, a whole load of. Archers fan memorabilia now Julia is in Brooklyn in New York and Julia why I have not thanked you earlier heaven only knows um, but I got this message saying uh, "Geez, uh, what is your address and she just sent me the Archers Live Ambridge a program um, signed by all the actors, this is stuff from the 1980s I've got wow. newspaper clippings um i've got the archers fan club um newsletters and basically she's cleaning out erratic and she just said well instead of me chucking this away i'm gonna give these to a good home so uh juliet thank you thank you thank you what i've done to deserve this heaven only knows but she wrote me um a lovely letter and um here you go. Here's a pile of archer stuff from the 80s when they were doing a lot of live programs, blah 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 blah. Anyway, happy to pass it on to you. It feels a bit like um both ancient history and nothing ever really changes in good old Ambridge. Juliet, thank you again. Um aka uh she's on the Twitters, uh Andrew David on Twitter. So that's Juliet Sternberg. Uh Juliet, thank you. Uh, because it's given me Hours of pleasure going through all this stuff that you sent me. So there you go. Um,
5: as you were, Freeman,
2: we were talking about the fairer sex being the better sex.
5: Yes, well, I think we've probably, we've gone over that so many times, Royfield. I don't think we need to go over that again, do we? I think we all know uh, where the truth that. lies, There.
2: <laughs> true, true, true. Right, so um, we've done Young Keith. Why don't we go to a proper old store on the lower west-east side?
10: Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling, toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy.
3: Greetings Lucy, Royfield, Yoko Bear and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. Today is SantaCon, a good day to stay indoors. This from Wikipedia. SantaCon has evolved from joyful performance art to a reviled bar crawl of drunken brawling, vandalism, public urination, and disorder. Sure. I guess a fitting end to this week in politics on both sides of the pond. But will Phoebe, Pip, and Rex be pub crawling together anytime soon? I doubt it. I must say, I liked how the scriptwriters took what we thought was a rather boring story about Peggy's vanity project and rewilding to the much more interesting contemporary topic of corporate greed. This looks like it will result in much intra-Archer's conflict. And we should also note that Justin has been squarely returned into the role of village villain. Uh And what of Phoebe, the hubris of this 21-year-old Oxford graduate who thought she knew more than her grandfather and any potential solicitor. All three of them were pretty stupid for not getting some legal advice before signing the contract. I do think that Peggy will be the one who will step in here and save the day. As an aside regarding rewilding, to learn more about the topic and how rewilding makes a profit, do listen to the recent Desert Island Discs interview of Isabella Tree, who even mentions the archers. And here's a prediction. Justin will eventually become a mentor to Josh, and in 20 years, Josh will be the Justin Ah. of the village and be in endless conflict with his sister. (laughs) Josh is following an arc of increasing odiousness. Finally, despite his faux pas last week, I welcome new caller inner Merlin. As I work in New Jersey, I wonder where you are in the Garden State. I look forward to meeting you at a Norwood Dumpty Dum meetup and talk to everyone real soon. Oh, bye. You bowed out without saying goodbye. You did. Mm.
5: That's a very good call. I was wondering about that when... um. Uh, um, Ruth. Well, I'm having a I'm having a senile day today. I keep just forgetting names. Um, when Ruth was uh, talking to Josh and said, "Did you not feel guilty at all?" and he just said, "No, I don't know why everyone's making such a fuss." And he sounded just like Justin when Lillian's saying to him, "Don't you understand, Justin, that you've with messing around with this abattoir thing, you've upset my family?" And he just says, "No, it's fine." You know, and it was so similar. And um, yes, I could completely... Uh, you know what,
2: that. It, it is similar, but but for me, it's different because Justin knows, but doesn't care. Josh just doesn't get it at all. So I think there is a gradation of, of difference, uh, a gradation or two of difference there. But I, I'm fundamentally on board with this. So don't think that I'm nay saying it, as you were.
5: <laughs> <coughs> I can't remember what it was, but I probably completely agreed with <coughs> whatever else. Uh, with a spoon said Yes. <laughs> and and it is, it's
2: good to hear you uh, back on the show, sir, because you haven't been on for a little while. And that's been my fault because um he has sent um a couple of messages and through sheer incompetence at my end, I forgot to put them on the show. <laughs> so uh, sorry about the mis- Mr. Oh, spoon, sorry about but that. You, you is back on. Uh, now we go over to Sri Lanka and Marvicky Cole.
7: Hi, everybody. It's Vicky in Sri Lanka. I hope this call will come in just about in time to make the show. Thanks. For all the good wishes about my poor old heart and pacemaker, I am doing very well. Um, and It's all going in the right direction, so thank you. So a couple of things. More annoying little twerpery. I already thought Freddie was a really annoying little twerp, but now Phoebe as well. Oh, mm-hmm. dear, what prats, the pair of them. Um, but it's quite interesting. I don't know how this is going to play out with the rewilding and the all sorts of feuds lining up. David and Justin and um, Phoebe and Pip, I suspect. So don't know how that's going to play out. But um, anyway, maybe that's setting the scene for some good storylines down the years, ancient family feuding. Hurrah. (laughs) Um, But really, I wanted to say, I I have a slightly anxiety-inducing plot prediction, which is, I think, that Tony and Joy are going to sort of bumble along together and Tony is going to just be kind and well-meaning and bumbling because that's what he does and Joy is going to misinterpret this and then I think there's going to be a sort of scene where she declares herself and he's going to be horrified and taken aback and he'll reject her as well and then I don't know what will happen with Joy maybe a failed suicide attempt and then the whole village will realize that they needed to be nicer to her I don't know but Tony bumbles along, doesn't he? Um, I don't think he should have lied to Pat about no. where he was. No. But again, we shall see. Lots of love to everybody. Bye now. That's bleak, Vicky. Blimey.
2: <laughs> mm. and on a scale of 1 to 10, our uh, Lucy, um, mm-hmm. how affected were you by Joy's revelation that actually um, she doesn't have the perfect family, as we all suspected?
5: Well, yes, not very affected because. <clears throat> it wasn't really a sur- surprise, was it? Um, uh, it's very peculiar behavior to pretend to that extent. I mean, you just say, oh, my, yeah, my my daughter is, um, yeah, we're just, she's just Liz, very, very busy. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. Look but, at to it from cre- but to, point, to, to, what, to, but to pre- pretend that you've been on a Skype loose, call, call with her for an hour loose, and a half. What?
2: Loose. Loose. Here is a woman who is lonely, chronically lonely. That's the way. That's the reason why she's thrown herself so into village life. And everybody she comes in contact with is in a family, is partnered mm. up. Everybody,
6: mm.
2: even the single people in ambridge live with other people nobody lives by themselves it's not mm. like the good old days of marjorie antrobus where mm. she actually lived by herself
5: mm.
2: so you you've gone to she's probably she's either escaping something or she's had to move because you know she just felt lonely wherever the heck she was before so she's gone mm. to the other side of the country and And it's a strong community. She decides to throw herself into it, but everybody is in the unit that she so craves, a loving family. But it's it's her post-marriage
5: breakup thing, isn't it?
2: Oh, it's more than just that, though, isn't it?
5: Well, yeah, but...
2: It's the only reason reason why why we're spending so so long on it. You know, what is it with with Rochelle? What has happened with her and Rochelle and Rochelle's family? Even Mm. if, you know, whether Rochelle even really exists. And I suspect she does, because the name... Is supposed to induce a certain amount of middle class titters, mm. you know, you know. So, so she does exist, um, but she's incredibly lonely. And we all, not not we don't all, but many people slightly embellish bits of their life,
6: mm. you know,
2: because you want to be like everybody else, especially when you're lonely. And
5: she's so incredibly lonely, but to so, just make up. A Skype call. It's just. I think that's odder than just lonely. I well, think she that's a been admitted.
2: She doesn't. She doesn't want to admit that she's watching the chase by herself.
7: Every but day. she didn't
5: need to say anything. She said, "Oh, hello, Tony. I've just come off having a Skype chat with for an hour and a half with Rochelle. I'm going to have the house full this Christmas. Why? Why would you do that when it's?" Blatantly going to be Who incredibly doing show
2: with Lucy Freeman or with Shambridges. Would... You are so good at accents. Yeah. <laughs> but, you are so like, good.
5: What what would be the point of of doing of setting that up when when she on Christmas inadequate. Eve she people go? Inadequate. So when Loose. are they arriving Loose. then? And then she says they're
2: Loose. not. She feel, She's inadequate.
5: But she if you inadequate. were going to lie like that, don't
2: be. You've been too rational. You understand humanity and how people work and operate on a level far better than Well, if me. I
5: was her, I'd she- say to everybody, I'm going to Rochelle's and I would book myself into a spa hotel and spend the entire time in the jacuzzi with a bottle of champagne and not come out again till the day after Boxing Day.
2: I think, Lucy, that, you know, loneliness, social isolation, when you are um, in the midst of a community and trying to, uh, you know, forge new links, Uh makes Uh, makes us do and say and project weird uh, things. And considering that uh, we all, we initially we thought she was going to be a one hit wonder. She came on the parish council meeting and then she disappeared, and we thought, okay, she's just going to be this weird one off character. Um, I've said this before, but you know, I'm very interested to see where this is going to go because they're actually tackling something which they haven't done before if it is fundamentally loneliness isolation and we're not talking about um a senior citizen where we kind of half slightly expect it you know your partner is passed on and maybe you don't have the mobility to Mm. be able to go out and do things you know Mm. she she's she has a she's a whole bundle of bundle of energy maybe too much energy and she wants to be everybody's friend but she's doing it in a somewhat of a crass way because um she feels incredibly lonely and isolated and then but it is they they are
5: a kind of a a a fork aren't they in the storyline? in that it can either go that way or it can go the mad crush on tony way hmm. and i'm not really sure it can do both convincingly one or the other
2: let's not wish that on her that she falls for tony arch because that'd be terrible <laughs> <laughs> the world's most boring man you know T- tony's there to display utter crushing normality crushing yeah. normality that's the reason why tony's there <laughs> so you don't have a crush on him um <laughs> But if it can be dealt with in an interested and sympathetic way, if what we suspected is fundamentally loneliness, you know, I, mm. I, I say bring it on because it is one of the silent epidemics of our age. And mm. normally loneliness is dealt with um, at the either end of the spectrum in that it's seniors
6: mm.
2: and then it's teenagers, it, teenagers mm. and young adults that hmm. we feel isolated or they feel isolated. Well, everyone
5: else in between is looking after the teenagers and the seniors. <laughs> That's why they haven't got time to be sodding lonely.
2: True that.
5: A certain amount of
2: bitterness in, you, in your voice there, Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> but,
5: but, yeah. You, because you, I've you spent all... this week minicabbing my children here, there and everywhere because the central line's been buggered up. So, well, um, the, the... I reckon Joy should get on the tweet along. She'd love it. <laughs> But you know what? Though
2: even that can be a somewhat of a chastening experience because everybody seems smarter, cleverer, and quicker than you. You got mm. you got to be careful. You know which uh, platforms you, you jump onto. You know, we well, go
5: on the, Facebook. Then everyone seems to be thick as pig shit on Facebook. <laughs> should be fine. <laughs>
2: Oh, you are dreadful, you know, Lucy, but just but I take photographs of
5: things on Instagram. There you go. Fine. Talk about your lifestyle.
2: But even then you're falling into the trap. Then there are people who are better at Instagram than you. There are women who are looking better, their bum is perkier. All this body dysmorphia, you know, it's not doesn't all come from Instagram, but it's rife on Instagram because, you know, look at that mm. person, look at you know, look at the scene that they've just woken up to. Look at the meal mm. they're just about to eat. Look mm. how amazing she looks in her new outfit, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and people just feel inadequate and feel alone.' Yeah.
5: yeah. It, well, it, it, get it, off it then. go and do something more interesting
2: all right, so we're off facebook. We're off instagram uh Twitter. We're not as clever and as quick uh so what 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 are you advocating that people end up doing, Lucy?
5: How about go out and Think about something other than yourself. Go and volunteer somewhere. Go and do something for someone else. Get your head out your own arse. That's what I say.
2: Mm. Self-help 101 from Lucy Freeman. You heard <laughs> it here first. <laughs> Glynn full of love. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's
1: Glenn here. Um, I'm phoning in on Thursday, uh, election day. I have been to vote, and I voted in the conventional way, putting a cross against candidate of my choice, rather than what I understand is the Lucy B. Freeman way, which is to draw a little picture of part of your anatomy against um, the candidate <laughs> of your choice.
6: But let's move swiftly
1: on to the archers, and uh, it does seem to be a rule in Ambridge that one set of brothers must be at loggerheads at any one time. Uh, As the Grundys and the Fair Brothers are both on ceasefire at the moment, uh, hostilities seem to have resumed between David and Kenton. But I did enjoy the scene in the bull uh, when they were talking to each other, seemed to bring out their characters quite well. Uh, David being completely joyless, especially about Kenton's Christmas hat, and uh, Kenton (laughs) displaying his freeloading tendencies He seemed to me to be trying to wangle an invitation to Brookfield for a Christmas lunch, although that would have to be presumably after he'd served all the lunches at the ball. And he seems to be leaving all of the um, arrangements for cards and presents for his relatives to Jolene. So, yes, I thought it illustrated them both very well. I can't quite make out why David is so grumpy about the advice he's getting um, on uh, Brookfield as a wedding venue, he seemed he sorted out from Elizabeth and seemed to be quite reasonable to me. But uh, any any suggestion that he hasn't got the best wedding venue in the world seems to be taken as a slight. Um, he's acting rather yeah. like uh, an elderly contestant on The Apprentice, in my view. Um, <laughs> anyway, I will stop there and I will wish uh, Lucy Royfield and all the rest of the Dumpty Dum team a very happy Christmas. And a very happy Christmas and holiday of your
2: choice to all in Dumpty Dumland. Oh,
5: thank you. Uh,
2: and a merry, was, happy uh, season's greetings to you, Mr. Fuller Love.
5: That, I completely agree, Glynn. That was a completely bewildering display of huffiness from David. And Yes, I, w- I was moaning at Phoebe for not taking advice from from um, people that knew better than she was. Then David did exactly the same thing. He is a farmer. Why does he think that <clears throat> you can just start, you could just, you know, suddenly switch over into hospitality and, and compete with people who've been doing it for, you know, 30 years? Yes, by all means, have a bash at it if you think you're going to be any good at it, but don't. Don't you know shun people that are trying to help you or take massive offense when they do because they do of course that of course Kenton and Elizabeth know more about hospitality than David does because David's had his hand up a cow's ass for most of his adult life, <laughs> and they've actually been working in hospitality. It's just crackers, mm. he's being such an ass at the moment, I don't know what has flown up his nose, but anyway mm.
2: um I think there's something to do with him being 60 remember that he was Mm. jogging whatever. so there's something about him feeling that i'm old and past it and Mm. then i think classically um specifically to do the whole hospitality industry and to do the restaurants etc um people who've never done it because we've all been to a hotel or all been to a function, we've all been to Mm. a restaurant thing. Oh, we could do that and actually don't Mm. realize what a tricky industry it actually is. We we just don't. We just don't. So there's, there's a whole load of things going on here. Let alone the fact that he doesn't, as I said, he doesn't really um, uh, respect the industry of his brother and his sister. He just thinks, Oh, you just got a big house. Oh, you just pull pints. Whatever, but then mm. also there mm. is older brother uh, kind of sibling rivalry type of thing in his head. Mm. That normally he's the font of all wisdom vis a vis the family and the farm. People come to him and say, Well, how do we do X and Y and Z? and they sit on because they sit on the, Bro- the Brookfield board, don't they? They do have some mm. level of advisory uh, positions and stuff. But you know he just Yeah helped. and
5: he did help out at Lower Loxley to be fair. Yeah no. True, after Nigel took true
3: his that, header off that, the
2: roof. He did he did help. True that, true that. Ooh, what's that an alarm for?
5: It was to rem- oh yes, I've just remembered what it was to remind me. I need to message somebody. All right. Sorry. Well Carry there's
2: on. an I'll witter on for a bit so you can message away. And then um the only kind of like other little thing I'll throw at this is to say that as somebody who went to a wedding in a barn, goodness, two years ago, three years ago, and it was a Mm. glorious, glorious barn that I think that even uh, Lizzie displayed a certain amount of snobbery. uh, Bearing in mind that this was the good old US of A and this was the West Coast where the sun nearly always shines and stuff yeah uh, but the so the wedding took place outside the barn and then we went in the barn and that was not a low rent um mm. uh, event mm. at all right so there are barns and then there are barns and this was a barn <laughs> and this was a, a historic old barn but my god when you went in the inside and stuff it was so incredibly charming and all the tables were just like immaculately laid out. This wasn't ramshackle at all. So to mm. be fair, right, obviously there's a whole load of family intradynamics going on here. But then Lu- uh, Lucy, Lizzie did display a certain amount. of, Well, you know, you know we, we're the potions, you know, we get the high end of the market. Maybe you can go for the sun readers type of thing. The, that was implied. And as I said, as somebody has been to at least one, if not two barn weddings, Oh my God, no! Right, these things can be on a completely high level as well. Though so I don't believe that brokers um, would be doing what I what I um, experienced in, um, in in Portland, Oregon, uh, three years ago, and stuff, because that would need you to completely change your whole wider business model to put that amount of effort into it and stuff. But you know, uh, there are barn barn weddings and barn receptions, and then there are. Barn receptions and barn weddings and stuff. So that's my two pennies worth. Have you finished your text?
5: Yes. I'm a bit, no, that, well, I will tell you what's going mm. on. Um, I'm being hacked from every angle at the moment. Um, so my. Uh, bank account's been compromised my Microsoft account's been hacked, my Twitter account was hacked my everything's been hacked so i um I've just had a message to say that they're trying my uh email account again, so I am um <clears throat> just uh trying to um sort that out so sorry oh, Lucy <laughs> <sighs> ah, never a dull sodding moment uh why don't you attend?
2: Uh, to more important things. Whilst I'll do the button pressing and uh, try and fill in manfully. Here is our Emily.
0: Hello, everybody. It's Emily calling. I was just phoning because I was listening to this week's Dumpty Dum and everyone was speaking about Paul Copley, who plays Leonard and how much uh, everyone likes him. I actually met Paul a couple of years ago. He... uh, worked on a project I did where I produced a film to help more veterans get into employment and Paul came along, gave his time for free was on the film and he was just the nicest man so genuine um, just very very kind and a total start so totally concur with everyone's um, opinions on him and as a result I think Leonard's um, a bit of a dude too (laughs) Um, Another thing I just want to say that's been really, I'd almost say upsetting me over the last couple of weeks is Elizabeth. The way she is being with Russ and just, it's, oh, it's making my skin crawl. Um, She is so pathetic around him and thinks he's this wonderful man and, you know, she becomes so weak and, oh gosh, what does Russ think mm-hmm. and help me with Jim with and, you know, um, oh, you've been amazing and you've had a tough year, et cetera. I think it's awful and it's almost almost a form of abuse towards Lily in a way, because she should be there for Lily and she's not. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I'm almost getting to the point where I have to turn it off because I find it so upsetting to listen to. Um, and just as on that note, why is Jim putting up with this? Are they paying him? I wouldn't. I would literally mm. say, you know, Elizabeth's asked me to do this so she can get money for her um, lower, lower Loxy and people come see it. Just walk away. She is... Awful. Thanks.
6: Bye.
2: Mm. Uh, Are you still uh, texting and trying to get your life sorted?
5: Yeah, no, it's fine. Um, uh, Doesn't Emily sound like a much, much, much more intelligent version of Lily? (laughs) 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 Um, I completely agree. Totally, totally, totally agree. I find it really bizarre that Elizabeth seems to be chucking her daughter on she's checking her daughter under a bus and is actively prolonging a really unhealthy relationship with a wildly unsuitable man. Um, And all the support, all we're hearing, like I said last week, all we're hearing is her support for Russ. We're not hearing her saying to Lily, how are you doing? Are you okay? Do you, have you, you know, are, how's the relationship going? Is there anything you want to talk about? And the closer Elizabeth bonds to Russ, even if they don't end up in the sack, that is going to make it harder and harder and harder for Lily to actually break away from Russ, even if that is what she desperately wants to do. Elizabeth could not be getting this more wrong.
2: Mm. It's interesting how that you you look at this from from the Elizabeth, uh, from from that perspective, but For me, it kind of chimed with what I jokingly, after your monologue, um, I I said to you is that, you know, the heart wants what the heart wants and stuff. And have you ever been into a wrong And I can't understand Russ's attraction for Lily other than, all right, if you're into really young women and maybe she, maybe that she, you know, a mother owns a pile, just whatever. But Mm. I can't actually understand what he gets out of being with Lily. And other than Lily is lacking a father figure, I really can't understand what she gets from him. So the heart wants what the heart wants, uh, even though from the outside they seem incredibly ill-matched. Uh, The whole Elizabeth thing is is, is a whole nother conversation, very obviously. And let's just say it's most charitable. She's just trying to keep her family together and still feels guilty about her breakdown and the fact that she relied upon Lily last year. So she's giving Lily a complete, not a wide berth regarding Mm. her relationship with this dude. You know, if that... I'd like to think if that was my daughter I'd be a little bit more uh, conscious of what's going on however yeah. there comes a point when you also say this is my daughter this is my child but they're not a child and they have to uh make whatever mistakes they're going to make uh you, you know and uh, and form relationships that they're going to form with people yeah so mm.
5: I do think That's with me. one of the things sorry this is a small a small rant And I will say this and then I will shut up because I think it might be a bit contentious. But one of the things that I find most dangerous and alarming and really, really sad is when you hear people talking about their teenagers, Mm
7: -hmm.
5: being miserable, being lost, being confused, being badly behaved, maybe being whatever. Difficult, you know, they are, they're just difficult. And they throw their hands up and say, oh, well, what can I do? He's 16 next week. Oh, well, what can I do? She's 18 next week, whatever. And you think you don't step away, you step closer. And that's kind of just rung in my head. I've seen so many instances of that happening and going so wrong and you think when it gets difficult, when they don't want you, that is the time when they need you. And that is when you need to step closer, not step away. And Elizabeth's stepping away. And I don't like it.
2: Mm. Well, obviously, uh, framed frame that way, um, you and I are in, in the trenches, aren't we? Because we both have... <laughs> we are. <laughs> uh, I have three teenagers, you have two... Yes, and it's crazy, I am definitely. It? It, it is <laughs> makes you feel alive, Lucy. <laughs> and
6: oh.
2: um, one of the beautiful things about having teenagers, though, is realizing that your relationship with your children is changing. That they are becoming yeah. fully formed human yeah. beings, and it can be a magical time. It's also a frustrating time. Don't get me wrong. I am not going to be all oh totally. God, yeah. um, ridiculous about this but I it was lovely two two months ago it wasn't the first conversation I'd had about sex with Ella but I had a conversation about sex with Ella and I think I said this to you I think it was I think it was off mic we ended up having the most wonderful of days um driving around in the car going to um a little old pub and her talking to me and me being as honest as i can and at one point i said yeah. i am still your dad i'm not yeah. your mate
5: yes yeah right
2: because she says you're talking to me like you're you're my friend and yeah. i said well i am your friend but i am your dad <laughs> you know? so yeah. the, the, don't the, you forget it, you little
5: miss
7: you
2: know? <laughs> but you know I, I had to i had to warn her. you know she's 16 and she is um you know she is boy crazy and and I said to said to her, I says, Look, I know you like boys, and she looked at me sheepishly, and I went, Look, <laughs> it's incredibly natural. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and I said, You know, you know, at your age I quite like girls, and I still do now. You know, and she she kind of like burst out laughing. And and I said, Look, you see this face here? She went, Yeah. It's too Young and handsome to be a grandfather anytime soon, so you be make sure that you have protect, you know, using protection. Dad, and I went, don't dad me, don't dad me. (laughs) I said, right, you, you know, and it was the loveliest day. It was the loveliest day, Lucy, and it really was. And just, you know, she asked me about the first time that I'd had sex, and and I said, have you had sex yet? And she went, no, but like that i am prepared Mm. because like you know and and she asked me for for my advice and you know what
5: Luce? i felt so
2: bloody blessed i really did yeah that
5: royford she is so gonna kill you if she ever finds out you've talked about this on the podcast
2: oh god no she'll be fine okay (laughs) she'll 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 be fine she no trust me trust me because it's not like i've uh, massively betrayed any com- uh confidences and stuff, but there is something very special which and and the highs do um make up for all the get out of bed tidy your yeah effing room yeah right. What time do you call this? you rolling it's at in? It's the
6: hotel. Yeah,
2: right. You know they don't talk to you for hours on the end, and it's like, uh, can you just drop me to blah blah yeah. blah and whatever? And I'm like now, okay,
5: and then <laughs> they go. <"Well, laughs> how am I supposed to get there then? And you think, well, why didn't you think about that before you said you would be there in twenty minutes? And it's forty minutes away, you idiot! But anyway, yes,
2: exactly.
5: <sighs> so. Can I very quickly tell you my favorite story about telling your children about sex? Mm. Uh, I was coming up to, I'm sure you've all heard this before, so I apologize in advance. Um, I was coming up to, William was small, he was in the back of the car, and uh, I was coming up to a roundabout, and I'm not very good at roundabouts, and um, he said, mummy, what is porn? As we're coming up to this roundabout. And I was like, hey, trying to concentrate on which lane I was in and everything else. And I said, "Just let Mummy get down the roundabout, darling, and then I'll tell you." Um, so I thought, "Oh God, it's obviously something we've talked about at school. You know, his mates have talked about it, whatever." So I said, mm. "Well," so I gave him the feminist diatribe on porn, blah 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 blah, mm. and uh, he went a bit quiet. And then he went, "Oh, I meant chess." <laughs> Simon said, Well done. You have just opened up a whole area of the internet to him now that he didn't know was there. I said, I thought he meant anyway. <laughs> yes. So there we go. Uh, so the mm. moral of that is always check the context before you start answering a question that could enter you into a world of pain. Oh yeah. Anyway. There
2: we are. <laughs> well, young men and porn yeah that 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 that's another conversation, yep you know old men and mm-hmm.
5: same thing <laughs> no, not at all loose no, I know because the young ones You're think wrong. that that's how you do it
2: mm it, yep. and it's it's rewiring their brains and their expectations and Rewilding. all the prob- hey, 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 boom, boom and um and then all the issues to do with um being able then to actually perform when you have a real life woman in front of you. You know, these these, uh, these young men in the primes of their life and they yep. literally can't get it up because they've yeah. been yep. uh, exposed to hardcore porn from the age of like 10, 11. Mm. So they can just get it whenever they want and that yep. then becomes sex too. Yep. them. Dreadful, dreadful, dreadful. You know, it makes me hanker for the old days of readers' wives and Fiesta yeah. and, uh, you know, and that. And when you. And your science
5: teacher, in not
2: that? Well, I was an English teacher.
5: <laughs> oh, the good old yeah. days when teaching staff would appear in pornography, yes. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving smoothly on. Uh, that was Emily, and uh, now it's our Claire, and she's from Clapham.
8: Hi, Dumpty It's Claire from Clapham here. Firstly, thank you to everyone who's responded to my survey. I uh, had a great response in the first few days. I'm keeping the survey open for about another week or so. So if you've not had a chance to take part, then please do. Um, I wanted to talk about this week's Archers and reflect a bit about patriarchy and some of the dynamics that were going on uh, in relation to when David went blustering into the meeting on friday to try and kind of intervene i'd already tweeted earlier in the week about how david and pip's relationship is just a bit creepy a bit over familiar if you didn't know they were father and daughter and you were listening for the first time you might assume they were a married couple yeah something about something intimate about it that feels slightly inappropriate which is very peculiar so when he goes barging in to save his girl from the terrible tycoon, there's something about it that's about the expressions of power and the idea that he can control that situation. And by doing that, he's just denying her own autonomy. I mean, she wants to make a stupid decision, then, you know, she's a grown woman. In theory, she can do it. But the other thing was about how it was all very it felt like kind of the alpha males of the village sort of fighting each other. And Mm -hmm. even Brian couldn't face Justin on this. So I don't know what he thought he was going to achieve by going to David about it. There's no way anyone is out alpha mailing the uh, the Justin at the moment. (laughs) Um, And I always spent the whole time thinking, do you know what? Ruth would have handled this so much better. Just felt like she would have been a much more effective person to do that intervention. If only they'd let the women have a go. Flipping heck. Anyway, keep up the good work.
2: I'll go first. I'm all about shades of grey. So I don't quite agree with Claire, but I don't quite necessarily disagree. And I do think it's an astute observation about the whole alpha-maleness of the BL board and, you know, with Brian and then with David. I think that's an astute observation, which all the more reason why I said a few weeks ago, and no know Witherspoon said it, and um, I believe I have another call that's going to say the same thing again later on in the show is that why the hell would three young people, young adults with zero experience in purchasing land, uh, think they could go into an arrangement with the BL board, which cumulatively will have hundreds of years of experience and think that they can come out with an equitable mm. deal. It's, it's, it's so ridiculous. Um, at no point did they ask for any advice on the pitch from a professional. Yeah, there's half a million quid yeah. on the table. That's the thing. If it's fifty quid, oh, take your chances. Yeah. Five hundred quid, take your chances. Five five thousand, then you start to go, hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, that's a certain. That's a decent amount of money in anyone's yeah. book. Maybe I need some yeah. advice. But I think that's about the cusp of it for me. Five grand. Right. You know, you, you, you just about still take your chances. Anything more than that. And I'm sorry, unless I specifically know and I've got experience in that industry, I'm getting advice. Yeah. Because I don't know what the hell yeah, I'm doing. Yeah, exactly. You know, when you go and buy a house for the first time, it's the biggest purchase most people are ever going to make in their life. You don't just say, right, you know what? I don't need a solicitor. I'm just going to do this all myself.
6: <laughs> yeah. You <no>. don't. <laughs>
2: right. you, know, you know, I don't need a survey. Yeah. Screw that, I'll just, I'll just take yeah. my chances. I know, it's right. nonsense, so, nonsense, so, nonsense, nonsense, nonsense. It's, it's, to, it's total nonsense, nonsense. But I've always loved, and I have said this way, way, way back when on a previous episode of Dumpty to I love hearing, hearing the BL
5: board. I just do. I don't <laughs> know what it is Because it's how it it's, how me, it's me, way, that's what it is. I, Damn it, Marjorie. Just, <laughs> it just is. <laughs> 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 it's, it's sad because it's so... <laughs> It's kind of, I'm really, i sorry, I hate doing this because it's rude about scriptwriters, but it's like they've never been in a real meeting in their lives. And, you know, they use really old-fashioned kind of business speak and uh, don't minute that, Ravi, and all that nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
2: whether it is good or bad, (laughs) Luce, uh oh no, no whether it's true or not to real life, I love it. I love every minute of BL board <laughs> meetings. I just do. I just do, right? But these three, or at least um Phoebe, they at le- they deserve yeah. every ill that is gonna blow across <laughs> this this bloody really wild <laughs> project because and I say, you know what? Justin's not being evil. Justin is yeah. being a
5: businessman. And if End they're up. so stupid, right. but, they're, oh, but his I was going to say his face, isn't that weird? I can't see his face mm. because it's on the radio. But anyway, um, the glee in his voice when he said to David, they've already signed it, you know, and David's sort of mm. fury that they could be so stupid and also just his general fury at Justin, uh, but also, root pip's fury at um uh, phoebe for not telling her that um she'd been told this by brian um and because half of that is anger directed at herself because she suddenly realized shit i should have why did we not get this checked by somebody who that knew what they were doing sort of thing Mm. um yeah Mm. I. Unless unless they
2: come out with a real, real, real good reason why Phoebe is just allergic to advice and to solicitors and to experts. I don't buy this at all. These are three thoroughly middle-class uh, young adults, of which one's just come back from Oxford, right? Mm. They're smart. And they know how the world works, especially... Yeah. Pip, right? Pip knows how the world works. She she, yeah. half running a farm. Yeah. She knows how the world works. If these were, and I can say this, right, three urban yeah. young adults, yeah. right, who have just been thrust into an environment of which they don't know any of the characters, they don't know how the world of finance works. If these were three young black kids mm. in their 20s, From a council estate, just to really rub home all the stereotypes, and somebody just waved money in front of them and says, "Sign here, and you get you get this money, or you get this land." I'd buy it that they would just go, "Oh my god, I just need." Really,
5: I think even they would be suspicious and go.
2: Yes, I would. No, 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 Luce. Oh, come on, Lucy. There, There. those types of um, where people get shafted over, yeah, whether oh, that's it's in the true. music yeah, yeah, yeah. industry yeah. and whatever. Really, yeah. invariably, yeah. it's people of yeah. color or working class white folks. It is because they're just not used but the, to. Yeah, that is absolutely um, the world you of have, business, you, finance, when you and contracts.
5: Phoebe um, Pip is running. You know, Pip is running the farm. If Brookfield was about to sign a half a million quid farm share deal. Do you think she'd sign it without having a lawyer hmm. look it over? So why does she think?: exactly. doing the it. As I said, for, you know, this silly rewilding thing is any different?: It's
2: silly <laughs> rewilding.
5: <laughs> I think you're displaying
2: your prejudice there, Freeman. You're <laughs> obviously not a friend of the earth. <laughs>
5: well, it's, it's silly because I still don't know how to make any money out of it. But anyway, I know it's a Caterpillar shop. I get that. But I still don't see how they make any properly money out of it. <laughs> um.
2: Yeah, anyway, so... Yeah, you you're you right also to point out that there are level there, there's two different levels of anger. There is Phoebe feeling that she's being stupid, thinking that she could just do all this yeah. and she's smart enough to handle it. And then there is Pip, you know, feeling stupid because I've trusted Phoebe and yeah. I should have known better in and of myself, et cetera, et cetera. So and then as you pointed out a few weeks ago, then Rex is just along for the <laughs> ride. What is he a chocolate teapot <laughs> and whatever? <laughs> Though I actually even enjoyed, I know we're going back uh, more than a week now, but I enjoyed him going golfing with Justin. And as you said, you know, comparing uh... longer shirts with the collars turned up and all that kind of malarkey. I, you know, I, I did actually quite like that. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, our oh Freeman. That's Claire from Clapham. Um, so um, I in part agreed with you, Claire, and, and didn't. And uh, as is my one, um, I'm all about Shades of Grey, but I did say that beforehand. Now it's my favourite duo on Dumpty Dum,
6: Babs and Trev. Hello, Royfield, Lucy, and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. Babs and Trev here with our latest thoughts on our favourite show. Second favourite, Trev. Obviously, Dumpty Dum is the favourite, especially as Lucy and (laughs) Royfield said such nice things about us. Babs and Trev, (laughs)
5: Royfield's
6: favourite couple. Sounds good. Oh, but it did get my name wrong. And he told people we met at a soul gig. Right, you did. Was that the gin talking on our part or the gin listening on his? Artistic lessons, Trev. Better than the reality <laughs> meeting at the gym in Halston. But meeting at a gig sounds cooler. Northern Soul Motown or Soul Jazz? What do you think, Trev?
2: You know me, Babs. Anything that'll
6: get me dancing. So what about the archers this week? Well, I'm really enjoying the relationship between Linda and Tracy and the positive influence they have on each other. So Linda really had Tracy's back at Grey Gables, didn't she? Mm. And I loved Linda's comment to Robert. As <laughs> Tracy would say, grow a pair and get on with it. <laughs> Definitely thumbs up from me
2: too. Other reasons to be cheerful. I'm really excited that these back. It's about time Helen was lucky in love. Script writers, please note, a happy ending is required. I was also delighted by Neil's victory over Hannah, and I really see it that way, a victory. Finally, Mm. a rare thumbs up for Justin for marking Hannah's cards after the pig meeting.
6: So back to rewilding for me. I don't know why Phoebe risked the business and the respect of her partners by ignoring Brian's warnings. I was furious about that too. I've also put Tony in my bad books for forgetting how many years he's been (laughs) wed, forgetting
2: to buy Pat a present, and, oh yes, forgetting to mention to Pat why he came home yep. late.
6: Mm, it'll come back to bite him. But I am glad that we're starting to get a more rounded character in joy. And I thought Tony's response to her disappointment and her obvious loneliness was really kind. Anyway, that's all from us. Keep up the good work, guys. Love and hugs to all. And Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas.
2: Bye. Uh, uh, loose, uh, they're just getting better and better. I love them <laughs> pair. Right. yeah and, and, and it was the gin on I my know, the and great. actually that was pre-gin when you told me that actually you'd met at the gym that was pre-gin that's before we went to the gin vault so that's completely on me I just misremembered so so there you go do you think that Trev was just a little bit too oh he and he forgot his anniversary and he forgot how many years has been married and then he, I, I was like
5: I know <laughs> someone's in trouble isn't he <laughs> Trev, what did you do?
2: What did you do, Trevor? Yes, Trev. We need to know. He thinks you do protest way too much, dude. <laughs> 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 oh, but no, I, I, I do love them. <laughs> and uh, yes, if I think, if, you know, just like you gave that self-help advice one hundred and one, just like pull your finger out and just do it. Was basically. <laughs> <laughs>
5: you know, Get over yourself. I think
2: that if. <laughs> If you're in a relationship, <laughs> folks, and you will maybe hit, um, you know, a rough patch, and you need uh, to get wise counsel because you love your partner, but you just hate them at that moment, and you, you <laughs> need to you, you, you need to swerve around that. Babs and Trev are available,
5: right? Yeah. they seem yep. to have
2: got it all down pat, them pair. Yeah. Uh, so that's Babs and Trev, and. Okay. Just whilst, whilst I'm here, Lucy, uh, mm. Jazz Funk, Motown, or what was the other? There was There's another. Uh, anyway, Jazz Funk, Motown. Where are you? Motown. Really? hmm
5: I spent most of the day listening to it, actually. I've just downloaded a shed load of it. Really? Yeah.
2: Mm. Oh, that Northern Soul, that was it. it was mm. Jazz Funk, Motown, Northern Soul. thing is about Motown, though, sonically, I love it. It, it doesn't have the textural variety, though, does it? Oh, give over. What it, are you on about? Oh, come on. I'm just, I'm, I'm putting on my best Russ here. You know, I'm just trying to over-intellectualise.
5: <laughs> <laughs> stroking your beard,
2: are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, I do need a shave, actually. Oh, You know what? I've always wondered, hmm. and I know the answer to this now. Why is it that beards grey faster than hair on your head? Have you
5: noticed that? Well, my my beard is still luxuriantly dark. Thank you very much. Um,
2: <laughs> That's because you is young, though Lucy, does it, and hopefully does you it, don't have a beard, Roy. Roy, mm-hmm?
5: does it go grey everywhere?
2: Yeah. Does it?
5: <laughs> 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 but I. So I. <laughs> I'm going to regret asking, why did I, why did I bring that up? Ooh.
2: Obviously, beards have become quite fashionable
6: mm-hmm.
2: in the last 10 years, right? Uh, I, I don't really subscribe to it. It's not a look that I'm into. However, um, I need to shave, I think, two and a half times a week uh, to keep the hair completely off, off my face, right. right? And the hair on my head mm-hmm. is what little hair I do have is, uh, I would say, 97% like just, like, black. Right. Your beard, it's, like, 70-30. Really? And that 30 of white is just, like, yeah, 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 yeah. And and then you look at people, and like, football managers and all these football, you know, football managers are opposed to players. So it's people of a certain age. Yeah. So, like, in their 40s to early 50s and stuff. And their beards are always much more greyer yeah. than the hair on their head. Anyway, it had it, it, been perplexing me for about a year. I finally took to Google yesterday. And the answer was so prosaic as to be quite boring as to the reason why this happens. But why? Do you know the no, reason? No, I do know the reason. Because beard hair grows at a much faster rate. Than hair on your head. So it just exhausts the follicle. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Because if you think about it, if you think about it, right, you'd think that the hair on your head, those follicles in terms of producing hair, have been around much longer than the hair on your chin. Right. But the hair just grows that much faster ah. that it just gets exhausted. Mm. Yeah. 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 Goodness me. Yeah. I sat on the loo yesterday and Googled Roy that. Field. I just thought yeah. I'd give you a full picture. Listeners. You
5: full picture. Do you, listen. know, do you know what happens? <laughs> We've got into a little routine now, which is, I cannot tell you how worrying I find it. But just before, I say, right, are you ready? He says, yep, yep, I'm all ready. Hang on, Hang on. I'm just going to have a little tinkle, he says. Then I hear pad, 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 across the floor. Then I hear him having a wee because he's left the door open. Then I hear Niagara flush and then pad, 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 Right, I'm all set now, he says. I have to Amazing. listen to him winging. If there was a union for podcasters, I would be joining it and I would be suing <laughs> your
2: ass off. But considering <laughs> you've watched The Kaminsky Method, I would have thought you'd take keen interest to my flow to make sure that it's a, as a certain kind of volume because it means that I'm all healthy down below. I'm now a gentleman of a certain age, don't you know? Mm. Just say all right, right. Well, I,
5: t- I'm happy to take Maybe. your word for it. I don't need the sound effects as proof, okay?
2: Mm. Mm. It, this has happened once, Lucy. Once <laughs> no, I forgot. It happened
5: this week and it the... happened last no, week. Only last no, week you didn't realise that I week. could hear you until you came back again.
2: Out of 306 episodes, you're castigating me about something which happened.
5: I've twice. heard you we twice, which was twice too many. There.
2: Yes. Andrew Horn now.
10: Greetings, Earthlings. Andrew Horn here. I have uh, three points to make in the two minutes, allotted. Um, David, why is he being such a plonker at the yeah, moment? Yeah. Why have the scriptwriters rewritten him this way? Um, <laughs> he's been charging around like a bear with a sore head, uh, getting upset about the uh, the weddings, having those at Brookfield, when all the advice from his siblings seems to be sane. Why not go into partnership with the bull? Uh, let them offer the alcohol. Do it together. It um, just doesn't make sense. But worst was his storming round f- to um, uh, talk to the, uh, stop them signing the contract with the Land. Madness. How does he think he's not going to drop Brian in it? Yeah. As we exactly. found out 30 seconds yeah. later when yeah. Justin saw right through yep. where the source of the information was. <laughs> and how dare he go in and belittle his daughter like that, um, even if he felt strongly about it? Just storming in and just it's just wrong, David. Let's have the real David back, please. Um, the other two points one's about the um the rewilding gang, quite frankly, they deserve everything <laughs> they get if they weren't even talk to a solicitor, they don't deserve the money. Um, and, oh, um, you know, it's just it's just beyond belief. Again, Phoebe, she'd have far more now to her having been through um her, her Oxford education and doing tutorials standing up for herself. Um just doesn't make sense. And the final quick point is about Tony's affair. Yes, he is having an affair. It's an affair with Madge. Madge <laughs> the midget the car. Not with joy. It's Madge that's uh firing him up. Anyway, looking forward to um speaking to you next week with Yokel Bear. Till then. Bye bye. Uh so angry.
2: Um, I actually hadn't heard that call, but my oh my! Did I didn't half agree with uh, fundamentally three quarters of that. Yeah. Well done, Mister H. Uh, you got anything
5: to say? There um, no. Oh well, only re- really to to say mm-hmm. yes. Uh, so you another, do then, you,
2: of Another no. th-
5: another thing, as Andrew pointed out, was you know. Brian had said categorically to David, I don't want this getting back to Justin. He had said categorically to Phoebe, if this comes out, I will get in massive trouble. Um, Phoebe had decided not to tell anybody for mysterious reasons known only to herself. David just goes stonking in there and it's blindingly obvious to everybody that it can only have come from the one person that wasn't there, i.e. Brian. And how did... You know, how did David think that wasn't going to happen? I know I know, he's going to put his daughter above everything else and he's certainly going to put his daughter above Brian's success at BL. But the whole, just the whole thing was just so heavy-handed and ridiculous and kind of, um, you know, we have the boo hiss capitalists in one corner and the lovely, naive rewilders Wilders in the other, you know, it's just daft. Really, really daft. True that. Uh, are we done? I think we are. Uh, have you got... Any emails? I have. Sorry, I'm still frantically entering mm. passwords for this, that, and the other. Um, What have I got? I have. Hold on one second. Sorry, I've got <coughs> the wrong files open. Now, yes. Now, you know, there was all that RG, but not R. G. bargy. There was all that information last week about Guelph.
2: Oh, yes.
5: Well, Stephen B on the Flick app has told us all about it. Mm. And I'm going to read this quite quickly because there's a lot of it. And there's a lot of funny words in it, so I'm hoping no one's going to notice my appalling pronunciation. Mm. Guelph was established in 1827 and named after Welf, which was the family, the House of Welf, of which the House of Hanover, to which the then king, George IV, belonged, was a junior branch. But almost 700 years ago, Welf was the rallying cry of the support of the Dukes of Bavaria the same house of wealth, during the 1140 siege of Weinsberg against the house of Hohenstaufen, whose own cry was "Wibelingen" mm-hmm. after one of their own castles. Then, when Frederick Barbarossa <laughs> was campaigning in Italy, seeking to expand the power and reach of the Holy Roman Empire, his followers became known as Wibelingens, Italianized to Ghibellines. While the Lombard League, who supported the Holy See against the Empire, became known as Welfs, (Italianized to Guelfi or Guelphs. The factions existed until the end of the 15th century, by when the conflict between the papacy and the Empire had more or less become obsolete. And he says, and that's more than anybody would have wanted to know. I thought it was very interesting, Stephen. I understood about one uh, word in six, but it was very interesting.
2: Can I just say, mm. right... OMG, OMG, OMG. I nailed it then. You said to me, let's just go back right last week. You said to me, huh, Guelph, that's a funny word. And I said it's gonna be a corruption of Italian and German. Yes, it? you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're a clever boy, said, Royfield.
5: Well done.
2: Well, you know what? You know what? I've only just come back from a little conference in New York about history. History is my schnizzle loose. You're really is. But like when Ste
5: Yeah okay.
2: <laughs> when, when Stephen posted this, I went, so Arcana just about nailed that. Well done me. Just saying. <laughs> just saying. Right. And he even got down that Frederick Barbarossa I mentioned him and uh, and uh, the factions of the Pope, the Italian states, yes, etc. cetera. Right, et cetera. So well done you are me, a good patting myself boy. on
5: yes. the back, on the back.
2: Well done, me. Now,
5: any other... Yes, Jennifer Crawley, who says, I have been considering growing a pair, in inverted commas, and calling in, but after last week, I'm now scarred, in case I get the format wrong, and get blackballed. By the way, our our listeners are so bloody clever. By the way, the term blackball comes from the jockey club in Newmarket, where Anisha is. Members are literally given a small white ball and a black ball, a polished wooden box with a small hole in it. They still use it. Is passed around and they would put a white or a black ball to vote on new members discreetly. One black ball in the box and you don't make the cut. As there's only you and Lucy voting, I don't think the anonymity of that system would work. Maybe just a Roman <laughs> emperor's thumb up or thumb down from Royfield. Oh my God, Jen, don't encourage him. I hope neither practice adopted. It's hard enough to call in and I would hope we all love anyone mad enough to enjoy the archers. God bless us one and all, she says. Ironically, while we love the show, we generally have it in for most of the characters. For me, as for Merlin last week, it's Helen. How do I hate her? Let me count the ways. I was very interested <laughs> in Roy Ford's analysis of her. I was pondering the same thing. I should identify with her. I've been through some of the same challenges. We should be rooting for her. Yet I hate her guts. Why? I think it's her absolute <laughs> lack of a sense of humor that she puts herself down but can't laugh at herself and also that she is massively selfish, lacking in any true generosity of spirit. Kirsty is always there for her, but when she had a miscarriage, Helen was noticeably absent. She fought to get her kids back, but has never apologised to Henry for putting him through so many awful experiences and not getting him away from Rob much earlier. Nor has she sought professional help for him. She hurt Lee and will whinge about having done that, but won't take the next step and go and get professional help so she doesn't do it again. She also has to be rescued. She never sorts herself out. I am loving the effect Tracy's having on Linda, and I think Helen could only be saved by a big dollop of humanity and down-to-earthness. Perhaps Lee will be the one to do this the poor sod have awful vision of them in matching shell suits stalking around the village but it could be the making of her i hope leanne was a figment of lee's imagination or good old helen has pinched yet another girl's bloke um that's very true actually i, I hadn't yes it hadn't crossed my mind that um she's a bit of a serial uh you know well no because when she was first going out with lee he was completely unattached wasn't he she mm-hmm. hasn't really nicked nicked him and, and do we even know that Leanne actually really exists? We can't have the entire entire host of characters making up other characters. It's bad enough with us trying to keep up with the silent characters without the characters themselves inventing, you know, Rochelle's made up, Leanne's made up. It's madness. <laughs> I can't be doing with it.
2: Mm, true. But I think we think that Rochelle exists. It's just that the relationship is not the, the happy, clappy one that she's tried to make mm. out. Just saying. Anyway. Hmm. Uh, So that's the end of the emails and that's the end of uh, History Corner. I quite like History Corner. What do you reckon, Luce?
5: Well, it's better than Map Corner. I mean, I don't mean Map Corner, your Map Corner. I mean Map Corner on Dumpty Dum. I like Map Corner where it's supposed to be,
2: be. which is on Map Corner. And have you ever listened to an episode? No. So, how do you sure know you like it? Basically, excellent. what you say, what you are saying is you like it, just not on your
5: podcast. <laughs> yes, that's exactly. What it's not I'm not you
2: actually like the content, <laughs> <laughs> you just like the removal of it. You and Andrew Horn.
5: <laughs> yes, me and Andrew got Horn got it. We w- <laughs> We've waged a secret war. Are you rudiment?
2: <laughs> the only two dumby dumby-dumbers that disliked Map Corner.
5: The only two. Horrible. I don't mean the so.
2: Only two. Everybody else loved it. Everybody. How many votes were there? We had the first referendum. We had the second referendum. I even think there's a third one. Actually, Yokel Bear. No, no, Yokel Bear likes Map Corner. There was somebody else that put up a vote even on Facebook. Each time, resoundingly, people voted to keep Map Corner in. What? <laughs> anyway. I didn't Do you know understand what? any of that. You know what I'm saying is the truth. Andrew Horne put up a poll on, on the Twitters about a year ago saying we need to get oh, Matt yes. Corner off of Dumby Dum. Right? Lost the vote. Did he? Right? I did not campaign. There was no red bus or anything from me. And was it like strictly? And was it anyway, all rigged? They
5: turned the phone lines off.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's quite good. Well done. And then, um, and then Yokel Bear even did a vote on Facebook lost again, right? And should we remove Matt Corner from dum dum And you know what? I hate to say it, but I bowed to the minority. Just saying. Anyway, you're horrible people. It's my podcast. <laughs> I should be able to do whatever. i bloody want on the effing thing. <laughs> <laughs> right? But anyway, uh we'll uh, we'll have some more interesting historical trivia on next week's Dum-De Dum. Uh History Corner has arrived, folks. Uh now, um we're gonna uh take five. Um water our beaks, so to speak, I have a cup of camp coffee. I completely forgot about camp camp coffee episode. Yeah, it, right yeah. looking... <laughs> it was only when I was going back and looking. No, it's only when I was going back and looking. At um, that Dum Dum Live, the first one that we oh, ever yeah. did, and somebody brought along Camp Coffee and put yeah. it on the table. Mm. No. Was that you, or was that a listener? A I think it was listener. a lovely listener. Just a lovely listener. Oh, thank you, lovely listener.
5: Actually, wasn't it? Wasn't it Martin Greaves?
2: Might have been.
5: I've got a feeling it was. Whoever
2: you were, if you're responsible for the camp coffee, which I saw in a photograph of uh, us doing Dumbdy Dumb Live at the BBC Social Club, please uh, identify yourself by uh, sending in an email or so, or a text or something or another so I can thank you properly, because it was actually a lovely touch. And to go through those old photos, because I'm doing my whole picture on Northfield.com, it was a, created a proper R ah moment for me. And just goes to just goes to prove what a lovely uh, set of listeners we actually do have... And what a lovely community we've actually created and fostered over the last five years. So if you are that person, please uh, let me know. And I'll make sure that when Andrew Horn and Yokel Bear do the show next week, they thank you because you need a thanking. Um, anyway, that's uh, that's basically me to say that uh, the next person that you'll hear won't be me, won't be Lucy, but it will be Mark Everton, sometimes known as Yokel Bear.
4: Ah! Hello Dumpty Dummits, Yokel Bear here with the social media roundup for the week. And we started the week thinking about Christmas miracles and whether they could happen. Because of course, Lee and Helen, they've kind of got back together. And there was that lovely scene with Emma and, um, and Clary coming round to, to bake. And us wondering, will she get back with Ed? Brian Holding predicts that there will be an aww oh moment at Christmas. Not sure what it will be, though. He says, um, but he thinks it will be Lee and Helen becoming official. Well, I think they kind of have already now, haven't they? But but yeah, maybe there's oh God, they're not going to get married at Christmas, are they? Another quick <laughs> we- wedding. Oh dear, <laughs> bride and groom all in white. Well, that's white dress for Helen, white trainers for Lee. <laughs> And talking of plot predictions about getting dressed up, Stephen Bowden predicts that Emma will encounter Ed dressed in an ill-fitting elf costume, which would lead to laughter, followed by snogging, followed by some slightly implausible reconciliation, given that they've got no home to go to. Yeah, it's going to be like one of those Netflix Christmas movies, but yeah. ending with, well, oh God, we're going to have to get separate buses home. Yeah, that doesn't really work that well. Rob Williams gave us a bit of dialogue when he said, uh, Helen says, oh, Lee, what happens now? And he replies, I don't know. Get your kit off and let's see. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think we need more dialogue like that. (laughs) Colette Conroy says that the Grundys will start selling the hangover cure um, for Christmas and New Year, make a million, buy back the farm and uh, become Lord and Lady Muck and flaunt it um, in front of the archers which I think is a superb prediction. However, Colette goes on to admit that um, herself and Stacey uh, Halfyard keep putting these things in threads in the hope that one of the scriptwriters might pick up on it. (laughs) It will be a great storyline. You keep doing that, Colette. I think it's time we took back control of the scripts, even though we didn't have control of them in the first place. (laughs) Um, God, yes. Anyway... Let's take back control. Archers means archers. Now, we're just going to pause for a moment here, just in in quiet reflection about the fact that the scriptwriters, talking of the scriptwriters, absolute mischievous sods this week. Did you have to put Last Christmas in? I know. We all got whamageddoned (laughs) on Sunday night by the archers. I'm outraged. Still can't talk about it. Let's move on. Let's talk about Linda and Robert First chilly time With Neil and Susan Now we've got magic time And we asked Do you know any other good euphemisms For being intimate? Claire Taylor says Taking Aziz out for a ride (laughs) Um, Lorelei Dunbar-Dudley said The horizontal mamba That's that's something you're not going to see On Strictly isn't it? Karen Cunningham said, taking someone, anyone, up the polytunnel, (laughs) which is one of my favourites. Joshua Yoda, more controversially, said, stabbing the Titchener. (laughs) (laughs) But the person who really won won this thread was Jed Robinson, who was on fire. Um, Not literally, but he was very good. Uh, He suggested enjoying Tom's sausage and also polishing Harrison's truncheon. But Jed... You won by a mile with this one. Discharging Brian's effluent. Oh, God. (laughs) Sorry, I laughed. So I'll say that again. Discharging Brian's effluent, (laughs) which is a sentence I thought I would never say. And talking of Linda... um, Tracy certainly has had quite an influence on Linda. You know, we we were gonna say, you know, who who would have predicted that Linda would say grow a pear, as in P-A-I-R. However, Rob Williams quite astutely said, maybe Linda actually said grow a pear, <laughs> as in the fruit. It is, after all, an agricultural-based documentary. Now Ironically, one of our most popular threads this week on the Facebook group wasn't actually about the Archers itself. It was about the soundscapes. Um, We asked, have you been listening to the Archers Extra Soundscapes and are you enjoying them? Well, a lot of people aren't. Mm -hmm. Though Matthew Joseph Burt has put in requests. He said, I want to retrospectively eavesdrop on Joe Grundy on the portaloo. (laughs) No, Matthew. No, 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 we don't. (laughs) However, a lot of people really didn't like the mince pies one. Yes. Pat Ralph Hannaban said the Jill Makes Mince Pies one was creepy. Mm. I'm assuming that I'm meant to be a helper. It sounded really unnatural. Steve Gibbs said, if you listen to Jill's individual lines out of context, she sounded like a right old perv. Well, now she's got Leonard. Perhaps she is. However, Ian Wagstaff liked the mince pies one when he said, "I enjoyed listening to Jill making mince pies with sooty." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, generally from that thread, we got a sense that mm. some people liked some of them. A lot of people didn't like the mince pie one, but most of them, most people, like me included, are just like, "What? WTF? Yeah. What the what the hell?" <laughs> it's just like, were they meant to be? Mm. And finally, let's end this podcast roundup with a. Um, with the bad news, which is Hannah. We asked the question, why do you think Hannah's so aggressive all the time? Um, it, she did kind of get a bit of a comeuppance this week, but she's still just so aggressive. Um, Alex Russell said because she has, um, so far she's found that it, this is her successful method for getting her own mm. way. And I think you're absolutely right there. She's, because no one's really challenged her on it. She just gets away with it. And I think that's why it was really important that Justin kinda of said, I know what you're up to. Um and I'm it's going to be interesting to see whether she changes her tact or whether she just gets sacked. Tact or sacked. Debbie Woolley said she's one of those people that thinks they're definitely management material and that they're entitled to that role, but they're actually completely unsuitable. Yeah. Joanna Powell said, with all that aggression, I'm starting to suspect Hannah of being the one who's biting the pig's <laughs> tails. Yes. However, Betsy Jones put another interesting view when she said, because the writers and listeners don't approve of women who stand up for themselves. Um, yeah, I kind of agree with that. But I think she does it in such a a personal, yeah. aggressive way. I think, you know, there's other, there's other people who do stand up for themselves um, in The Archers. I mean, like, lately, you know, we've had, you know, Elizabeth has kind of stood up for herself about the ghost story thing. And... Um, But I think Hannah just does it in such a personal way. She kind of personally targets people. Um, But I don't know. But point taken. And finally, Heidi Griffith said, it's straight out of the apprentice boardroom. And it was a little bit. It was like that bit where they go back into the boardroom and the apprentice, they all have a big row, and then Alan Sugar points at one of them. So we'll have to see this week. Will it be a case of, Hannah, you're fired. Anyway, that's the social media roundup for the week. And uh, I will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Uh, Luce, uh, I,
2: I did say this, before, say this to you before the start of the show. And, and I didn't realise that I put it in a typically Roy cock handed way when I said there was almost a mini drama before the start of the show because Mr Mr Yokel Bear had actually forgotten to do social media roundup.
5: Well, he did it fairly quickly then, didn't he? good job he did pulled it out of the bag he did like
2: he did like listeners would wouldn't even know that like there were frantic messages between australia <laughs> um <the> east coast <laughs> of america the west coast of america and swindon as to what the hell was going on you know but he managed in the time it took me to get the calls uh, to clip them put them on zencaster that's what he did and Utterly professionally smooth job. So well done, Mr. Bear. Uh, Lucy, uh, do you want to hit us with some tweets? Oh, no. Or some some mirror headlines. Mirror headline.
5: Uh, Percy Pig Advent Calendar Sparks Fury as There's Nothing Percy About It. And um, uh, this was sent to me from uh, Jen, uh, again, um, who we've just heard from, uh, from a newspaper in West Clare. Naked man ran across seaside resort to granny's after being caught in bed with another man's fiancée. Caught (laughs) here's. That sounds a lot more interesting than my jury duty, I tell you. (laughs) Anyway, treats of the week. Eleanor Dentinel. Pat obviously does not let Tony polish his chrome at home anymore. No, I think you're right. Hinge Sandal. The thing is, Joy, people have busy lives these days. Also, you are incredibly annoying. (laughs) Uh, um, John John 21 Tony I know I'm usually slow on the uptake Joy but you appear to be naked under your driving gloves hashtag the archers and (laughs) Pyjama Llama Joy there hoping to get a good buffing from Tony oh god (laughs) Trick Song um, (laughs) Robert hears an old owl hooting but Lindy Bottom tells him it's only Jill warming up for the next scene (laughs) tweet of the week is from paul salotti simply because it is the grumpiest tweet i've ever read and it just really made me laugh i don't think i could bear it if this means we're going to have another extended helen storyline i've already had a bad enough week between a nasty cold and the election hashtag the Archers <laughs> <laughs> I just love that. I love it when listeners feel a sense of personal outrage Mm. about a storyline they don't want. (laughs) True. I've got a cold. I hope we're not going to have a Helen storyline.
8: I'm
2: just going to slightly go back to a comment that was at the end, towards the end of the social media roundup. And I forget the name of the uh, listener, but they said that... uh, People don't like it when women stand up for themselves and and I think that mm. mr bear did, um handled it rather well, but that's not the case mm. necessarily in the archers do women do a lot of the female characters still um occupy stereotypical roles uh which you know which which would have seen as de rigueur fifty years ago yes there's lots of baking and there's lots of women preparing meals you know, full stop yes that does happen. But Linda Snell is a woman who always stands up for herself. You know, she's not going to do anything mm. she does not want to do. But she has just about enough tact and grace that we don't, you know, that people don't go, bullshit bitch. You just don't. There is something mm. about Hannah. No. She's just not a particularly yeah. nice uh, bit of work. And and I think we just have to recognise
5: that. Go there on. There are some people that say, you know, everybody knows those people that say, Well, I just believe in calling a spade a spade. Mm. And it's an excuse for just being bloody mm. rude and not spending the time to think about how you're treating other people. How, you know, what it's, what would it be like to hear what I'm about to say? Not very nice. Okay, then I won't say it. Um, not bothering with that bit. Um, there's those people who are intensely annoying. Um, but Hannah is a combination of those people, but she's also devious. If she can't get her way, kind of the the proper way, the 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 by being aggressive, then she starts becoming really unpleasant and manipulative, mm. and that's when she, you know, starts um, uh, talking about. Uh, you know, oh well, you know what you know what Neil's like, blah 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 blah, and that's when Justin, you know, called her out on it and said, "I know what you're doing," yeah. um, which was great. Um, but she's, I, I dis- yeah, I disagree. I disagreed with that as well. I don't think <clears throat> the Archers has a particular problem with women standing up for themselves. I think they have a particular problem with people who are. I think we, as an audience. Because we are privy to conversations that happen between every, you know, sort of between people that you wouldn't, if you were the person involved in the triangle, you wouldn't know what's being said between the other two people. Mm. Then we, it becomes, we become very aware of any devious behavior and that's what we don't Mm. like.
2: True, true, true. Well done. Uh, eloquently put, as always. Now, Lucy, it's about that time to start to wrap up. Because I must admit, I was somewhat dreading this week's Dundee Dum. I just thought, oh, Roy Phil. I just thought, I'm just going to bring my flabby, typical grade C game to this. to you, And uh, you always turn up, you know, uh, with your shiny, big, uh, you know, jag. So to speak, ready to run, 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 and go with it and stuff. And invariably, Jack, yes, <laughs> or oh, <laughs> Land Rover or whatever the heck, whatever the metro, Aston Martin, yes. right? And I just turn up with with Oh, yes, I turn up with no, with, with,
5: no, Jaguar XJS. That's what I'd like. Thank you very much. Well, there you go.
2: And I turn up generally with my, with yeah. my mini Metro, right? And, and I, <laughs> I, really do. I really do, but I actually think. That I've just about kept up with you this week. You know, I'll never be as funny as you, but I—I I think I've been a foil. Oh shit. oh shit! you shut your face yourself, right? I know my role: <laughs> button presser and the odd occasional historical forward slash uh, TV comment, <laughs> and uh, and that's what makes <laughs> our rather odd couple so so uh, endearing for the listeners.
5: Uh, We were just talking about that off air, actually, listeners, Mm. that we are the odd couple. And we've decided that I am Walter Matthau and um, Royfield is definitely Jack Lemon. You would be following me around with a duster, wouldn't you, (laughs) insisting I use coasters (laughs) and things? (laughs) Oh. That, I love
2: that. You song. know, I I love that film, but I just love. But they did a whole series of films, didn't they? Yeah, you know, they they just like worked together yeah. like for years, and it's just one of those things that just reminds me of my childhood. That if anything takes me back to being between the ages of when I had proper consciousness, so let's say like four to about fourteen, it's Jack Lemmon, Walter Matthau, Cary Grant, uh, Kurt Douglas. It's all of the. It's like that nineteen fifties, sixties and stuff, it will just be re- continuously replayed on the BBC. You know, you show me like a um, Gregory Peck in like, um, oh goodness, what's that famous film or um, the, the book? Oh, crumbs. Ah! A Canon of American Literature. Oh! And he plays Atticus Finch. Oh, To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, there you go. It just escaped me. That just reminds me of West Indian Sunday soup being boiled by my mum on the stove. My dad What's West
5: what's in West Indian Sunday soup?
2: It's like um like a big soup. So oh. you'll have and you have a massive bowl of it. Now the bowl's literally the size of your head. And <laughs> you'll have literally uh you'll have like massive chunks of potato, bits of meat, veg and whatever and all the swimming around and it's West Indians always have it on a Saturday. It's called Saturday soup. Like there is no specificness oh. you know, exact recipe. It's kinda of, you throw kind of everything in, but the soup bowl is bloody massive. And it's called Saturday <laughs> soup. And Mum always used to say to me, go up to uh to the uh supermarket and get like the soup stock and whatever and once I came home with the wrong thing which was completely the right thing it was a Campbell's and she went "No, that's wrong but she says well I need to start making this now because his dad's going to be home in like three hours because it takes forever to do a a Sunday soup and she went son that's a triumph so we always had the wrong thing to put into the, the Saturday soup so whilst that was boiling up BBC two Black and white film. Me and Mum cuddled up on the sofa. Happy days, Aww. Lucy. Happy days. And Dad would come home at about five o'clock, just as the football results uh, oh, were, we're coming soap? in.
6: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Happy days, circa nineteen seventy-seven. Bring it on. Um, so uh, dumdydum folks, go there. It's got a shop now. Um, I did mention a recipe with... on
5: there as well for Saturday soup.
2: You know what? Please, so yeah, you know what I will. I'm going to do that actually, because Saturday suits a proper thing. It's a proper lovely thing, and I must admit, as a kid, I was like, Saturday suits. I don't really like it. Ooh. And then you grow up, you're like, oh, I love Saturday suit. <laughs> <laughs> but I want, I need a black and white movie to go with it. No, that's the thing. Um dot com, It's got a shop. It's got awesome things. And thank you to people who have been purchasing. Lucy, there's been a bit of an uptick, so there has oh, uh, w- with uh, purchases because I think people <clears> are buying uh, presents for their loved ones and maybe for themselves for Christmas. So continue or to maybe do for that. People
5: they, partic- they don't particularly like very much.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, your audio's going <laughs> kind of funny again. Just saying. Oh, yeah, so you need to just like push it back in again. Anyway, but we'll just we'll just keep talking. And um, so dumdum.com dot com, it's got shops, got all sorts of things, and also, oopsie Daisy. Sorry, I just did a. Uh, a bit of a uh, stifled burpee yawn type thing, uh, which won't make the edit. Uh, also, um, you can go on there and you can, and you can read uh, Cosmo's rather lovely and excellent uh, podcast roundups. And don't forget, there's also Mike Hatton with his character counts and other interesting things uh, besides. Um I will try and throw some new content at com, and maybe over the Christmas time I'll throw maybe throw up a quiz or something or other there. So you've got all the more reasons to go into com.
5: Well, and, I uh, got do you think- asked today on the Twitters mm-hmm. if I would do a round robin letter from a member of the Archers, one of the Archers' characters, mm. which I'm happy to do. It will keep me out of mischief over the Christmas period. So... If you've got you don't this, like if you've, it when you're
2: bored, do you, Lucy? I don't,
5: no. If you've staggered through the, past, the, the, the podcast <laughs> this far, then, oh. and you're still listening, God love you, then um, uh, it, tweet me at Lucy V. Freeman and say which mm. character you'd like to hear from, you'd like to receive a round robin letter from, and we'll post it on the site. Or Sweet. I'll see if I can persuade Harriet to read it in a voice. Preferably the appropriate voice for the character. Otherwise, that'd be a bit pointless. Anyway. What? can't remember. Who the heck I was
2: talking to the other day, about a week ago or so, and they were talking to me about um, interesting ways that you can make money out of podcasts. And this is something that you could do, and you'd just make a mint, Freeman. Right? But – there's a service and I forget the name of the service is typical of me. Somebody said something to me went, Oh God, that's really interesting. I should tell Lucy. And then I completely forgot the name of the service, but you can go on as like a civilian, as a, as a listener and various podcasters. And it has to be said, E list celebrities are on there, and quite simply, you just do um, a little message. Uh, you just dedicate, you have them read out a little message to a loved one. So it's like your favourite podcast, whatever the heck it is. My dad write a por- porno, or whatever the heck it is. Guardian Football Weekly, whatever, and and it's that fa- that favourite presenter of your loved one uh, just doing a little video call, saying happy happy birthday, blah 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 blah. And this is a proper thing. People are making proper money out of it. People would love messages from you, Lucy. That's all I'm saying. Who get... would want that? No. Um, give three, over. Quarters, uh, three quarters of our listeners. Though it yeah. has to be said, right, that for for Harriet to do, you know, give somebody a birthday message as L- Linda or Lillian, I can completely see that somebody would pay f- yeah. 20 quid for that you just would well, you with just Harriet, you're
5: getting eight eight voices for the eight people for the price of one aren't you <laughs> <laughs> but like it's a, it's a proper big thing
2: oh and 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 actually um ruPaul's uk drag race yeah that's where that was the example that that i actually saw so somebody said on the phone so here you go you can have bag of chips uh, the guy who came on, he come second or third in RuPaul's Drag Race. And he'll say to you, Oh, happy birthday, Royfield, you old fucker, you're 51 now, you old fart. This is me, bag of chips, da da da, da. Right. And, uh, you know, and I, I'm just saying this, ah. you and Shambridge need to get together yes, and clean okay. up on this because Middle England are right. waiting. So if
5: anybody to wants give me and money. Shambridge to record a bizarre message for you, then let us know and we will.
2: Exactly, and just you got your PayPal already. Set it up on your website, bish bosh bang, Lucy. Just saying. What what what? Asked what jag was it? XJS. You said you wanted. Yeah. This time next week, I'm telling you. <laughs> this time next week. <laughs> anyway, folks. Um, if if you don't want to. Uh, get Lucy, all sandwiches, to, to voice a message to, to a loved one and to give them 15, 20, whatever, how much money they decide they want for this service. And you just decide to keep things the old-fashioned way, i.e. Patreon. You can go to patreon.com, give us $2 per show, and it helps us keep the lights around, on around here because, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, has it been a trying year in terms of actually that's not true, listener. This is the first year. I did say this to Lucy about last week or the week before. This has been the first year that I can remember that there being a significant problem on the website where I've actually to like to dip into the account and actually uh, help keep the site up. But that doesn't mean that we still don't need your help.
5: And also, um, it, so, has, please. it has been a trying year in terms of the tech on which we broadcast this nonsense. Ah, oh. because. Good that point. has been unbelievably awful, and we are trying desperately hard to jettison it so we can get one that actually works. Yes.
2: And somebody on the old Flick app, oh. and let me see if I can
7: you asked, suggest you? Ah, something. Good, good, yes, good,
2: good, good. yes, 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 yes. Um, thank you. And you gave me work. a great suggestion, but it was a wrong suggestion. Oh. <laughs> so uh, Rosie Porty, thank you for saying buzzsprout but buzzsprout is for disseminating and broadcasting oh. uh, and distributing your podcast as opposed to close a but no cigar platform. rosie but thank you anyway yeah but but rosie though thank you it just proves that we do have listeners and another big up uh, to people on the flick app It is my favorite way of talking to listeners. Um, It completely works and it's just wonderful. And Stephen Bowden, um, uh, love love you lots. And to Drew and everybody who's a stalwart of that app. Um, I also am going to put this in the show notes and then I generally forget. Uh, But in the show notes of this week's episode, uh, you'll see a link and hit that link if you are on your smartphone. And then that will go and uh, link you up to the world of uh, the Flick app and uh, Dumpty and Dum on that self same said app. And another big ups, which I have to give out, is to uh, the Dumpty Dum Ultras on Twitter. Love you lots. You are awesome. And you know they're an ultra because <laughs> they have um, the universal sign of bunting which <laughs> next to their name, which sometimes doubles up as the flag of Nepal. Only sometimes, though. And um,
5: I love that. We did I get a message a couple of weeks ago. Barry Faramond, who plays Ed Grundy, went on Twitter and said, yeah. I don't understand the link between people that listen to the Archers and Tibet. <laughs> Why are they all the <laughs> 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 And someone had to go, well, and explain it to him. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's completely, he was just thinking, well, <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> There's a Tibetan chapter of Archers fans. <laughs> mm. And, and it's
2: just lovely to see because this is something which again came out of the Flick app. And I, it was Drew uh, in Tokyo, I believe, that said we need some kind of signifier. And it was a thing on the Flick app. And then I mentioned it on the show. And then to see, and, it, and what's utterly lovely is when you're on Twitter, Lucy, and you're seeing somebody talk about whatever, yeah. uh, some yeah, kind I of know. random and then, topic. And yeah, exactly. Then you see oh, they are
5: one of us. Oh, yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly.
2: It's one of my people. It's one of my people. You get in the unit, (laughs) so and you feel all good on the inside. (laughs) So, well, well done. And at some point, um, I will reward you or offer some kind of level of discounts or something or another. Oh, crumbs, I could just do that for the shop, couldn't I? Yeah, there you go, folks. Right. I'm going to from here on in um, if you are uh, if you display the, the flag oh, that's not a flag of Nepal That'd be just uh, crass for us to appropriate the flag of Nepal as uh, a symbol for dum dum Sorry, the universal sign of bunting. If you have that next to it, sometimes doubles up as the flag of Nepal. If you have that next to your name, um, there will be all manner of benefits and good things. And special cuddles from Lucy will be thrown will away. Be, uh no, Would you stop pimping so That's another They'll reason and inducement. <laughs> I don't think i do it enough. But you are wonderful and people just like you. So anyway, I'm wishing on which we're not? Twitter. Uh, Twitter, go there. It's where the show started. You can find us at Dum, but really that's just uh, Yoko Bear, and he's awesome. You can just find him at Yokel Bear. Um, sometimes I tweet about stuff. And yesterday I tweeted about the Cleveland Browns because Lucy had a dreadful season this year, and considering there's all this hype and hoopla that we were going to do things in the NFL. Definitely get to the playoffs, really, you know, contenders for the Super Bowl, it's gone as flat as a pancake. So I tweeted about that. So if you want American football tweets, why don't you follow me at Royfield? Where can you be found, Lucy?
5: At Lucy V. Freeman. But I mostly tweet about the dog walk so I wouldn't.
2: Uh, and whew, how many retweets? Uh, sorry, how many likes and retweets so of your tweet? Roughly uh, 14,200, yes. <laughs> Roughly, yeah. <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I I have been like, it was like there was, there was steam coming off of my Twitter when, when, when whenever like, hey, sorry, another retweet from for for Lucy. So, oh my god! Do you know what like, it was oh, though? I don't. think
5: it was it was a nice little story about something that happened on the dog walk, and I mm. sent it without thinking about it. It it just happened, and I tweeted it the day after the election, and I think everybody was feeling a bit. Well, either gloomy or tired, you know. Gloomy, depending if depending what the outcome that you wanted, or you know, tired because people have been up watching it, or just everybody just felt a
2: bit or related jittery, or
5: related, whatever. Um, and hmm. I think I just hit it at the right time, and people were like, "Oh, good! Look, there's a nice thing that we can think about that isn't about the election." So uh, yeah, it went a bit, phenomenal. but not. But
2: I do think you're being incredibly English about this. It wasn't just that you hit it at the right time.
8: It was was a lovely story.
2: Uh, Lucy, it was a lovely story. It's also about a subject matter uh, that whether you're right or left, Ramona, Remainer, Lever, whatever, you can get behind. It's about... It's about dog walking. It was very um, touching because it touched on loneliness, one of the uh, yeah, issues that yeah. we talked about on this episode. And then you ended it with a plum. So within those what two hundred and eighty characters, you got a whole story, a <laughs> heartwarming story, which was ended up wrapped in a lovely bow with the fact that she's the the, the fairy godmother, um, dog mother. Yeah. It was just perfect. So. Give yourself some credit and stop just saying you got lucky. Stop being so fucking English and (laughs) just accept that you wrote a wonderful tweet. You spotted something. You had a conversation with somebody. You could distill it into 180 characters and make other people feel warm and affectionate and happy about it. Well done, you. Thank you very much, Roy. Moving swiftly on, there is Facebook. (laughs) Facebook. Is Facebook. And, um, you know, that platform is like a burning ship right now. All the scandal and the furore about it and the fact that it's helping to divide society. But if you want to forget all of that, throw that to one side, you can get on there and uh, type in dum-de-dum. And uh, Yokel Bear, Millie Bell, Witherspoon do their thing, regardless of Mark Zuckerberg and his... Uh, cavalier attitude to social norms uh, and the fact that uh, the whole world's going to hell in a handcart and uh, Facebook is running with that handcart off the edge of a cliff. So (laughs) Facebook, type in Bumby dum, and you can uh, join in with the fun over there. And uh, on that note, uh, this has been, again, one of those kind of slightly funny episodes where we've had a few breaks uh, because Lucy's mic... um, out. Yeah, I'm sorry out. about
5: the sound
2: quality. And uh, yeah, so you will notice that the sound quality right at the end of the show has gone a bit skewiff. uh But maybe that's all the more reason if you had to go to Patreon.com if it's really annoyed you and just say, you know what, I'm actually going to uh, give them these two bloody dollars because per show because Lucy needs to get a new mic. <laughs> so um, maybe that's a Christmas present you want to give give us, uh, and uh, we'll make sure that Lucy gets a new lead for a mic because it keeps kept on popping out. We do need to try and leave, leave Zencaster. Yeah. Um, I am trying to find new ways around that. Uh, next week, you will have Andrew Horn and the Yokel Bear manning things, uh, quite literally. And then the week after that, it's going to be Yokel Bear and Angela Barnes, a uh, recurrent friend of the show. And in approximately three and weeks' time, new, and all the Christmas new, stuff. Like Angela is Angela Barnes' yeah, new there.
5: chair of the news quiz.
2: Oh yes. I think she's with Goodness. there's three de Dummer who's like
5: proper famous. Mm. There's uh there's three of there's three of them. There's Nish Kumar um, um, and Andy Zaltzman and um Angela. Congratulations. Can I be
2: slight can, can I be slightly, slightly bitchy? Yes. Andy Zaltzman is best kept on the radio. Have you seen his hair? <laughs> I'm there, dude. But I, I fully appreciate that like, we need to identify ourselves and have our unique markers. But crumbs, right? But he's a funny bloke. He's a very funny bloke. But, poof <laughs> good for you, sir. Good for you, sir. Anyway, um, right then, Lucy. I think it's time for me to uh, absolutely say adieu. Alfida saying and chow. Uh, but generally, sometimes, on occasion, every now and then, you say something quite witty uh, right at the end. So, this is your time.
8: Oh,
5: don't do that. I have nothing to say. Seriously. Great. All right, then. Well, that'll be next
2: time you'll hear my voice. Uh, it'll be uh, 2020. There you go. Yay. Done.